0: Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody! It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. This week's episode features Marcia Kilgore. She's the founder of Beauty Pie. But you also probably remember her as the founder of Bliss and Soap and Glory and Fit Flop. It was super cool to interview her, especially since early on in my career, I was a freelance copywriter for the Bliss Catalog. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Angela Irish. She's the president and co-founder of Oz Naturals. Hope you enjoy the show. Oh my goodness, this is a huge day for the Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. I'm sitting here with Marcia Kilgore. She is the founder of Beauty Pie and founder of Bliss Spa and Soap and Glory. And we can't forget Fit Flop. Thank you for being here. And
1: yeah. there's one more. Oh, there is. It's called Super Duper, but it's not available oh. in the U.S. yet. <laughs> Thank sort you for of being like here. the the new,
0: I guess, the new soap and glory, but more natural. And I, mean, I am delighted to be here. You own it currently, that brand? I do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, on the train in this morning, I was thinking about all your accomplishments and how awesome this is. And then I thought, when am I going to get to read the book? Oh,
1: the book. You know, it's interesting because so many people have asked me to write a book. And I feel like that would be faking a little bit because what I do, I'm an aggregator. I'm an aggregator, I think, of thoughts, which is what allows me to come up with new thoughts by, you know, connecting dots. And those dots are usually other people's dots. So I feel that if I wrote a book, it would just be a collection of things I've learned from other people. And that's kind of faking.
0: Well, that's life, isn't it? I suppose it is, but wouldn't that be also plagiarism? No. Oh. I wanna know more about how your mind works I want to know how you spend your time. You know, I, like the mundane is so fascinating to me. Okay. Because we get to see the fruits of your labor. Yes. But how I, it gets there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, did you read the Jo Malone autobiography? I did not. It's so worth reading. Okay. Learning about her childhood and her story, and I never would have known this, and no interview that I would have ever dug up would have told me what sure. she was able to tell me in, you know, 200 pages. Um, and it gives me a real appreciation for her hard work. In a a different way than I get to see in the industry where she's on stage talking about, you know, fabulous products.
1: Oh, I think anytime you see anybody on stage who's built a company, you know they have sweated it out. You know, it's a grind. And every time you're starting from zero and it is a roller coaster ride and nothing is easy and you're finding your way and you've got blinders on at the beginning and it's about slowly chipping those blinders off. I, you know, I said to somebody the other day, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill, right? And you just have to keep pushing that boulder up that hill until it starts to reach a flatter area where it's a little less hard to push the boulder up. And and that boulder pushing works your muscles. And if you think, you know, the analogy of pushing this boulder, which works your muscles and then your muscles get stronger and then you learn more and it's all about developing the muscles and how to be entrepreneurial, how to be tough, how to be persistent, how to be smart, how to learn, how to be porous. You have to be able to look at things and be open and honest and reflect, and not be defensive,
0: and keep pushing the boulder. Right, so I'm at this moment, I've run my agency, so this is my side hustle, the podcast, but my agency, I run it for 11 years, and I feel like I'm tired of all the wonderful lessons the universe has taught me. Sure. I'm exhausted. Yes, it is exhausting. Um, How do you move through that? Well, I always think things are temporary,
1: right? Right. So you will have great, easier times, Yep. um, but depending on how passionate you are about what it is you're trying to accomplish Um, I think that that's what makes it easier. So you have to make sure that what you're doing, if you're going to go into this and try and build something new, and especially if what you're trying to build that's new is radical or different or in a crowded space, you better love it because you've got to get that joy from doing what you do at the end of it because that's the only perk you're going to have often. Right. So for me, you know, doing beauty pie, for instance, something totally new that people just can't even wrap their head around because it's been done such a different way for such a long time. For me, just being able to talk to one customer on Instagram or on Facebook who's saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. I can't believe what you're doing for women. This is incredible. You're making it democratic. That is all I need Mm -hmm. to keep going. But I love making women happy. So, you know, make sure that you're not just doing it for the money. Right. Well, I'm definitely not doing it for the money because
0: I'm not seeing it. And <laughs> I think that's at what, one point you will. I think that's what gets in my way. I, um, I get stuck on this notion that it's hard and it doesn't feel temporary for me. In okay. my head, I feel like it's okay. this is my forever. Yeah. Um, and it scares me. Then you're doing something wrong.
1: Then you need to sit back mm-hmm. maybe for two full days and, yeah. and think, okay, what am I doing? I keep repeating what I'm doing. And it's not going any differently, right, right? right? So I used this just the other day. And again, this is me taking other people's advice and taking the little snippets that really helped me get through the day. So the definition of insanity is <laughs> doing the same thing and expecting a different result, right. right? So you can take whatever you're doing, sit back and create, what am I doing wrong? Why is no, this not changing? Right. And you probably find that despite knowing intellectually, that maybe what you're doing is just gonna lead you to the same result. You don't change that. You probably never take the time, because you're on a treadmill, right. to just stop, sit back, reflect, you know, sit back and reflect for one day. What can I do differently to make this outcome different? And then actually plot it out as a plan, and right. follow it, yes. and chart it, yes. and put a grid on the wall in front of yourself. You're a visual person, right? Yes. And you're also a words person. But visually, maybe you need to make a grid on the wall and just put, when I did this, this is what happened. So now I wanna do this and I wanna get here. Doing it this way isn't gonna get me here, so what can I try? And you try different things each time. And chart, where did that get me? And put it in front of your face. Don't put it on a spreadsheet. I find actually the wall so incredibly Mm -hmm. helpful. And with team building, right? And if you're trying to do this with your team, and you're all trying to figure it out together, you actually put tape on a wall, in a grid, and we did this it got us here and that's not where we wanted to be we want to be here how do we get there?
0: it's like playing checkers like well, you know what you're saying is um it's making me smile and giggle a little because of course this is what we do for our clients right we unravel yeah but you're challenges.
1: not doing it for yourself not
0: whoever does right. right right sometimes it just takes somebody else to step back and go okay
1: hmm? and and also we can be defensive because thinking that we're not succeeding is scary Right. So we don't want to say it out loud. Now, when you don't say it out loud, you can't share it with anybody. Mm-hmm. First, if you have a problem, okay, have you ever carried a shopping bag yes. that's incredibly heavy by yourself? Yes. Now, have you ever done the thing where there's somebody with you and you yeah. say, you take one handle, uh-huh. I'll take one handle. Uh-huh. There's no weight anymore. That's right. Right. So if you think about that as your problems, right, think of that heavy shopping bag as whatever it is that you're trying to solve. Share it with someone. And then suddenly the weight is lifted and you can be open and you can decide it, and they can help you carry that load, number one, and probably also solve it. But, you know, many women, especially women in leadership positions, will tend to just not say, hey, wait, this isn't working, because they're either ashamed to admit they don't know what they're doing, or they're afraid to just say it out loud, this isn't working. Or to just go to somebody and say, can you help me? Yes. You know, can yes. you help me? I can't figure out why this isn't working. Would you help me? And people would be delighted to help and to get some outside perspective because also we get rolled up in our own things and you cannot see it. Right. And so, you know, one of my hiring principles is looking for people who are not defensive. If you ask an employee or somebody who's on your team a question and they don't even listen to the end of the question and they've already started
0: to answer it, bad bad (laughs) you need people who listen can you see that in just a series of preliminary interviews um yes
1: certainly and then you can also see it when people first start and then you can try to help them see what they're doing and change their behavior but some people it's so ingrained in you can't and and I think the worst thing that you can do is keep people on your team who aren't listening because insight insight is the most important thing Right? You can have a lot of people who are very strong, but if they're not insightful, you just keep marching. You can be marching really in a strong way up a really, really steep hill that leads you off the edge of a cliff. Or someone can stop and listen and realize there's a small path that goes around to the right that actually gets you there without sweating at all what would you rather have? The really strong person who's not listening or the person who's kind of looking around to see, wait, let's just look around for a little while and figure out if there's a better way to do this. So if, if you can't be that person,
0: Find somebody to help you. Right. I love this. You know, um, asking for help is actually really hard for me. Sure. For many, many years, I just, like, I thought if I don't know it, then I'll have to figure it out all by myself. Why? And I don't know. It's just a part of my story, part of my history. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to co-op from somebody yeah. else now. Okay, there's a brilliant woman
1: named Byron Katie, and she has this method called the work she works out of california Mm -hmm. i've never done the method i've never gone to her school i think it's a nine-day immersion program but a friend of mine has done it and is a certified practitioner of the work and there are two really simple techniques she uses so you say i can't possibly
0: ask for help why now why can't you in your um, mind. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I really believe that it was all about self-doubt and insecurity. Okay, so when you're thinking, I can't ask for help, why is, you're thinking, because someone will think I'm yeah, not capable. Okay. And I think that reflected my lack of confidence. Okay. I mean, outwardly, I looked confident, but I, you know, I really wasn't. Okay, so A, who would you be without the thought that
1: you can't ask for help? Happier.
0: So what the hell are you doing? Okay.
1: Then her second one would be in this same situation where you feel like you need to feel confident Mm -hmm. and you're you're with another person, right? And so you must be feeling like I need that person to feel that I'm what? What do you need from that other person that you know? What do I want from that other person? What do you need? What do I need? Yeah. So so here's me, and you're trying to appear to be your capable self, but what? you actually really need help. So <laughs> what is it that you're needing from me? Um, I don't know. So I you mean you need I, me to think that you're capable.
0: I Is yeah, that why I, you're I, not asking? I I think that there's yeah, a fear deep inside me that maybe I'm not as good at this as I think I am. So... It is, but if it just turn it into the, you've got to phrase it as a you need okay. question. I need you to think I'm super smart. Okay, so actually, do you know what this means? Change the I need you to I need me. I need me to think I'm super smart. <laughs> right. Okay, right. now, do you think you're actually quite smart? Yes. But, but self-talk, yes, it sneaks in.
1: It's So like, just stop. Like just stop yes. and think, wait, yeah. who would I be without
0: this thought? Yes. what would I do if I didn't have that thought? Yes. I' do it. That stuff is so easy on a regular day. Yeah. when it's not easy is when the um, cash flow is low. Yeah, when the retainer fades away, yes, like, all the stuff that like I can practice. I have my coach, I have my therapist, I have my other coach. Like the village is, you know, it's yeah. in, it's in work, but yeah. the days when it's harder, yes, um, it's I, I get in that hole a yeah. lot quicker. Yeah, but you need to just learn to get out of the hole. Yeah, as a client. Yes, who because when when the retainers are low or when the cash flow is tight, mm-hmm. you're thinking. What? Now I start to have self-doubt. Oh, maybe we're not as good at this as we think we are. Maybe, you know, this vision of mine won't come to fruition. And you know what? It's good to actually have a bit of Mm self-doubt because it
1: makes you work harder but <laughs> you can say that again yeah but at the same time bring other people in you don't have to be this goddess of I know everything right. I mean the best things that I've ever done is brought people in who are better than me to question me and a lot of people are very happy to be asked to you know give their opinion and you can take
0: it or leave it but boy it's eye opening when you listen yes I do appreciate this because I, re- I need it I need these like little boosts little, a, yeah little snippets i work in progress little snippets yeah
1: um, and also if you're having and crap day one of my favorite things yeah, to do. Me. You know, you wake up, the weather is bad, you think, oh my God, we tried this thing, it didn't work. I really thought it was gonna work, but it's not, now we gotta figure out the next thing to try. <laughs> and If I just stop, and now this is easy for me because I have a lot of thank you notes I always have to write because I always write a handwritten Mm -hmm. thank you note to journalists who write about Beauty Pie. Because for me, it's like they're handing me, you know, here's 100 pounds or here's $100 or whatever it is. It's a gift Mm -hmm. when you get a piece of uh, journalism, whether it's a blogger or print media or whatever, or a podcast (laughs) where you can help, you know, where you can spread your word to people who otherwise wouldn't have known. So I sit down and I write three thank you notes Mm -hmm. and then suddenly i feel very lucky yeah it's like uh, almost like a gratitude list right it's almost like cognitive behavioral therapy where you're looking at a a television channel which is saying oh everything's terrible it's so hard blah 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 Mm -hmm. suddenly you change the channel to thank you so much for helping me i can't tell you how much it lightens the load and you do that three times you're looking at a different TV right. channel, and then your whole day is different. So if you wake up and you feel like, oh, write three thank you notes, yeah. maybe to a, a client that you lost. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much for you know giving us this yeah. opportunity. We're working really hard to get it again, and we've learned so much. Yeah. And you know I'm grateful. I love that. And suddenly you think, wow, those people actually put their confidence in me, and it makes you feel like put their confidence in me and you're a different person and it's a really easy one like you can that costs nothing that's right yeah i love that
0: yeah it's a good one i use it all the time Yeah, that is going on my refrigerator (laughs) yes next to the mantra i am competent capable and confident which i actually have to read which is a really good one yeah yeah so um this is super duper exciting for me and i want to give some backstory um i have been thinking about you for many years um, and I want our listeners to know why. So, um, very early in my career, I was a freelance copywriter. I mean, we're—I mean, am 42 now, so like 20 years ago, and maybe 18 years ago, and. Um, I had the opportunity to be a freelance writer for the Bliss Catalog. Yeah. And this is a time when I think we had just moved into Dumbo. Yep. And um, the creative manager was my friend from Day Camp. Her yep. name is Jennifer Jen Heimowitz. Yep. yep. Blitz now. So hi, Jen. And um, my job was to try to capture your voice. I think the team was trying to get you to not write everything. Yeah. For so many years, you were doing all the work. Right? There's a lot of weekends of writing catalog copy. And you're so... I mean, this your voice was so breakthrough. I mean, it was incredible. At the time, nobody nobody did this.
1: Well, it was, I think, talking to your customers like they were humans. Yes. (laughs) We had this conversation last night because we were at an industry event, and uh, everyone was speaking about customers and about what they do in code. And I walked out, and I was saying to my uh, wonderful PR, who is just funny and real and great, I just said, you know what? I think... I understand now, I've never worked in a in an industry as such, so I've never been part of a big corporation. I've always just worked on clients and with people and, you know, with people. So I speak people. <laughs> <laughs> My language is people. And then there's this corporate language. And actually, there were people on this panel, I didn't even know what they were talking about. So for me, they would start to use this lingo, and I thought, well, no wonder they don't connect necessarily so easily with customers because they're not speaking people. They're speaking corporate. Yes. And you can't, if you speak corporate all day long, it's very hard to go into speaking people. But I've always spoken people. And so mm. I think also if you're a trained writer, so if you studied journalism or you, you, know, you studied writing or English literature or you know, a more formal process of putting your thoughts on paper, There's structure, and the structure in terms of copywriting should be thrown out the window because no one wants to read structured copy, they want to
0: read People. That's right. I love that. That's such a great way to think about it. Well, um, it was um, a thrill of mine at the time to be able to try to capture your voice. And I actually, um, after we first talked a few weeks ago, I dug through my old bins of old work to try to see if I can find some of it. I couldn't find that. Do you have catalogs. any here? And I have oh. some of my. Office. I have scans. Okay. You know, back in the day, we had to have portfolios yes. and pages, right? Yeah. So I have some scans. I'm like, oh my god, this is a long time ago. Yes. Um, so I'm super honored to have had that opportunity years ago. Thanks. Early in my thanks career. for helping me. <laughs> it's so great, you know. It's so it was nice. So awesome. I always feel really honored that
1: anybody will come in and work with me, for me, alongside me trying to get something done because there are a lot of choices of where a talented person with energy can go and spend their time and you know, life is limited. So when somebody chooses to
0: come and work for me, I feel really, you know, honored. Well, my sense is that um, people feel like they're part of something bigger than a product company, yeah. right? Yes. They feel
1: like they're on. Um, a, yeah, some kind of crazy journey. trying to make something better you know somebody um, it was Ray Dalio have you read his book Mm -mm. wow that's a good one Okay. so it's it's a really a business book I think I read about it probably in some in-flight magazine Mm -hmm. and it's called Principles and he is the guy who started Bridgewater Associates which is a hedge fund in Connecticut Mm -hmm. and one of the most successful hedge funds of all time and I always I think well this guy's successful so let me read his book even though I could care less about hedge funds or you know VC or private equity or it's just not again that's not a language which I speak. I speak people. So um, he talks, however, about how he um, will structure his office and, and, and how he looks at dealing with the people you know, in his office. Now I've forgotten completely where we got onto this thread. How do we get onto this thread? What did you say before we talked about Ray Dalio?
0: Well, um, I think that people probably work with you because they feel like they're on a journey bigger than just products. Okay, so he was talking about the meaning of life. Oh. Okay.
1: That's where you, mm-hmm. yes, that's where you got it. Okay, so, I, you know, we all think about what is the meaning of life. Now, up until recently, sometime in December, I was reading about Blaise Pascal, who's a French philosopher, who said that the meaning of life is to be alive. I like that one. Because it makes sense, right? It's simple. We get this chance to be here, mm-hmm. and let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's be alive. Let's enjoy every minute of it. Let's enjoy each other, learn, move, right? But then Ray Dalio, so I was recently listening to his audiobook, and he said that the meaning of life is to evolve, that it's evolution, which also makes a lot of sense to me. So up until recently... The meaning of life, you know, what is it? Procreation? Is it what, you know? It's, you could debate it forever, but none really make that much sense. For me, the idea of evolution really makes sense because we have evolved yeah. since we were, you know, tadpoles and then apparently fish and then frogs. We went through like an ichthyose stage. And so to think that, yes, we are all here to get better at something really resonates with me because I've always tried to become better or more efficient at things. And then at the same time with business, every time I've seen an opportunity, and uh, you know, we all have to support ourselves, but I've always started new business ideas because I thought, we can do this so much better. It can be so much better for the customer. And bliss was about first making a place that you could come and have a treatment where they didn't shame you Right where you could actually leave feeling amazing, which is the whole idea of going in and treating yourself, should be that you walk out feeling like a million bucks mentally and you know physically, that your skin looks gorgeous, but your brain is glowing and you feel happy. And that wasn't what existed back then. What existed back then was sort of the Romanian shaming culture mm. of, oh, my God, your skin is so terrible, buy these 80 products. And I thought, how much better to have a place where you can come in and glow mentally and physically. With Beauty Pie, it's the same thing. When I was going back into the beauty industry, because I love making you know, products and naming them fun things and finding ingredients that work together. But what I realized was the industry works backwards where you come up with the price that you want to charge at retail and then you figure out how cheap can you make that product for so you can pay all the bills and the layers in between. So your goal, if you're in the typical beauty industry, is to make something really expensive and sell it it at a very high price and make it for as little as you can. That is not good for the customer. So it's just evolution, trying to think of a new idea. is like, how do you evolve this to make it better? And there might be something in there for you, in terms of your agency. How do you evolve from the model that there is right now? Mm -hmm. What could be better for the customer? And what can you do to make it better for the customer? And when you can identify that, and I bet there's 10 things you can identify that make it better for the customer, how does that work for you then also. Because in the end, when you come up with an evolved idea, everybody wins, the customer wins, you win. It's, you know, it's a beautiful, pure,
0: natural thing. With no friction. So I do want to talk about Beauty Pie because it's a really fascinating concept. But first I want to know, um, what are you doing with your day today? Oh, I have
1: meeting after meeting after meeting after (laughs) meeting after meeting. Then I get to meet with one of the best fragrances in the world because we're going to do some fragrance from Beauty Pie, which I wouldn't call a meeting. That's like a gift. And then I'm going out for dinner with the first person who bought my footwear brand in New York. Oh, cool. Yeah, so 11 years ago when we just launched FitFlop, this was the first store to reach Actually, I reached out to him because I had bought shoes from his store before, and I said, you know, can you try these? We've sold a lot of them in the UK, and he bought them, and he's been a customer ever since. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so I just wanted to
0: check in with him. And um, is the day so, like, stacked that there's like, no time for lunch, or are you, are you...
1: I do get to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Lunch, I don't know, might be a protein bar. I'm not here to eat, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, you gotta make your choices. And your skin looks so incredible. Thank you very much. I'm piling on the, you know, layers of, I'm always testing something new because, you know, at Beauty Pie, we have labs send in their very best this, that, or the other, or we tell them, hey, we want the best combination of ingredients that is going to hydrate or whatever. So I've always got my favorites. I use retinol every day. I use vitamin C capsules every day, but then I've always got some other like serum that I'm layering in there. And today it's a triple hyaluronic acid serum with C-fill, which is something that plumps up the surface of your skin immediately. Epidermaline, which is something that is supposed to be sculpting, helping with, you know, the jawline. <laughs> it's loaded with a whole bunch of ingredients, so. And do you give yourself permission to wear other brands' products? I'll, I'll try them once in a while, mm-hmm. but generally I'm disappointed. You know, it's, it's the beauty industry. So, again, there's this oxymoron going on, where it's supposed to be the best such and such, but the, I guess the motivation for beauty companies is not to bring the customer the very best, because that's expensive and that cuts down margins. So I, I do test things from time to time, and if there's something that's really, really hot, normally I can, normally... I know where it came from right because of the
0: way the beauty industry works (laughs) okay so tell us about that because I I find this super fascinating
1: okay so it's not necessarily always true that a brand will have something that's very exclusive to them or that they went into a lab and formulated something that's part of the marketing story right part of the I guess the magic Mm -hmm. is that you know a founder of a brand or a makeup artist or a skincare, or there are these special chemists. Now, certain brands, some of the bigger ones, usually they're more mass, will have their own chemists, but the majority of labs out there are third party, which means that anyone can order from them. So there are, I'd say, about 20 leading third party laboratories in the world, some in Japan, There's a new one in Korea that I really love, although I've only actually found one great one in Korea. Um, There's a lot in France, in Italy, in Germany, a couple in the UK, a few in America, in terms of luxury, quality, high-tech product. Now, what happens with these labs is that they will produce collections. So they are the ones who have teams of chemists working all year long to produce new textures, to uh, study new ingredients. And they really do all of that groundwork. And then once or twice a year, you will visit the lab and they show you a collection of product, almost like Preda right? So, or sorry, yeah, Preda Porte. Sorry, I get it mixed up with Metaporte and Preda Manger. So they show you a collection. You go in and they'll say, here are six new lipstick formulas that we've come up with using such and such of elastic polymer, or this one is all natural, or this one is, and they're better than last year's because X, Y, and Z. And they're on trend with the trends because the trend is about aqualicious. And so we've used this aquatic polymer or this hyaluronic acid or whatever. And you test these lipsticks. They'll show you this one's more expensive because blah blah blah. This one is sort of medium priced. This one is quite mass, it's very, you know, inexpensive. And And you test them, usually on your arm, your lips, or whatever, and then you ask them for samples, and they put all the samples of the ones that you like into a bag, and you're sitting in a room next to the next brand, which is sitting in the next room down, and there's another brand sitting in the next room down, because they usually do this all at the same time. Like, there'll be two weeks in a year where all the brands from around the world come in to shop these products, and then you take them away, you test them. We have six people on our product development team, as well as myself, who test on the first tranche and we choose what our favorite one is and then you color match but everybody gets the same product now it might be that if you want to have a story you'll drop in 0.001 percent of melissa extract or something like that so that you can say it's a flower lipstick etc etc but it's all the same and so very rarely will you find a makeup product that's
0: really somebody's own right so this is the um the, the truth of the industry that the consumers really don't they know. They don't know yet. And
1: so what what I realized was shocking. And this was, you know, I, I had Soap & Glory, which was more of a mass market brand before I sold that to Boots, Walgreens, who was really our biggest distributor, and they just really wanted it. It did very well for them. And there was less markup there because it's shower gel and body butter. But in something like a luxury lipstick, If you buy that lipstick from the lab, now the lab, okay, so the lab formulates the lipstick, they come up with the trends that go into that lipstick and it's all done before they show you. You then color match, so you'll go and find a color, usually from some other brand, that's a popular color, and this is what everybody does, and you bring it to the lab and say, we'd like this formula in this color, please right so they'll then match the formula that you chose to the color that you like and you'll do that for your range and it's kind of what everyone does you may have a makeup artist who says oh i'd really like a color like this or a color like that but those are usually those far out colors that you don't buy that often anyway so you create your line like that and the finished product depending on what your packaging costs because that's where you 're going to have a higher cost or not, and it 's also landfill, so we try and avoid adding extra layers onto packaging because it makes them less recyclable when you have you know gold overshells right. and things like that. but we do use classic sort of beautiful packaging, which is really high quality um, That product may leave the factory costing luxury lipstick, let me say three dollars and forty cents and Normally, by the time it gets to retail, it'll cost 10 times that. Because a retailer takes 60%. You have to pay for free samples that are going to all the salespeople on the floor. You have to then have enough money to send this out to all the beauty editors and the vloggers, right, who get everything free, which isn't really fair either. You have to pay your overhead, your lights, your electricity, your staff, the people flying around the country to train all of the different representatives in the stores. So basically, a product that should cost you three fifty dollars ends up costing $35. What is wrong with this picture? It's not right. Who wants to spend $35 on something that costs $350 to make? Now, you still want a beautiful lipstick, but if that lipstick sort of, you know, by the time it was all said and done could cost you like seven, isn't that better? Right. You so know, it's, that's the idea for Beauty Pie is that women, customers who don't care about that crazy retail experience can get a bigger piece. Of the beauty pie,
0: I love the concept, and I also love that it um, really—I think—honors the unsung heroes of our industry, which are like the labs, who are really the ones doing all the innovation. Yes, I had a
1: shocking conversation with one of the labs, um, just in between again before I started beauty pie and again it was one of those dots you know these connect the dots things where the lab said I said well what is the manufacturing margin you know how much do you make and they said well anywhere between you know 20 and 30 percent so on a lipstick that they've done all the work on all of it it comes out of that factory in the packaging in a box Right? You've designed, maybe you've put the graphics on that box. Right. you put the graphics on the packaging. Or maybe you designed the packaging, but you amortized that over hundreds of thousands of units. It still shouldn't cost that much. They're making maybe $0.60 cents or maybe $0.90 cents off the lipstick, mm-hmm. and then the brand is making a 1,000% markup? This is wrong.
0: Yeah, it's really, um, you know, sometimes I get, like, um, I, for lack of a better word, feel like I... Um, I have a sense of like vomiting what's happening in our business like something doesn't feel right yes and I I usually get caught up in like the marketing nonsense like the churning and I think it comes mostly with the inauthenticity right faking yeah Yeah. the the faux stories I
1: think I, I I have a hard time faking Yes. So this
0: is just one of those things, I think the reason why I identify with Beauty Pie so much is because it's really like as authentic as you can be, Yeah. but you're saying they're doing their job and they're doing their job well, we're going to pay them for their job, we're going to pay my team to do their job, and then that's it. Yeah. You get to buy what you want to buy, yeah. use what you want to use, explore and try and play, which yes. is the point of our business. Yeah,
1: and be able to really use the best product because we go into the factory. Instead of saying, hey, can we get it a bit cheaper? Right. What can you take out of that? Because we need 20 more cents. We'll be saying, hey, do you think if you added vitamin C, this would work better? And they'll say, yeah, but it's going to cost you 20 more cents. And we say, we don't care. She doesn't care if she pays 20 cents more to get something that's that much more efficacious. Yeah. And it's beautiful. You, the labs love working with us because we're not squeezing them, right? We're saying, hey, right. You're make something that. beautiful. Yes, make something beautiful. What's the best you can do? And we're not just working with, so we're not, here's, it's not our lab. Right, right. We're working with the best guys from or women from all over the world. So we have makeup, we have skincare, we have the best makeup brushes. Which is incredible. I mean, when have you ever bought yourself a makeup brush?
0: This is actually, um, we had a client in the makeup brush industry, and, uh, you know, I've been in beauty for a long time, and we started working with this client, like, I, I never wash my brushes. No, because you I don't want disgusting. them to fall apart, though, too. Like, yeah. i Like, I have this, um, I'm kind of now proud of it, a Miss Piggy toothbrush that I got in <laughs> middle school that I used to brush my eyebrows, because okay. I always had, like, a very full brow, and yeah. you can imagine then I had, like, a unibrow. Um, I still have it. It's never been washed, Wow, I mean, that's this pretty seems, like, good. Nasty. Yes. but so if you could actually afford good makeup brushes,
1: And not in the Piggy. Yeah, brush. Yeah, I mean, our, so makeup brushes are ridiculously inexpensive, even the great ones. So uh, we have a whole range of makeup brushes that keep selling out on beautypie.com right. because you can actually afford a nice set of makeup brushes at home one in your desk, mm-hmm. you could even leave a small set at the gym. <laughs> you know, what you're
0: doing, I think, for the customer's mindset is um, she doesn't feel like she's at war with the yes. brand, right? Yes. Um, and, it, and I think that's really the heart of why I, I feel, like, so compelled by it. Yeah. Um, you're, it's democracy. Yeah. It's democracy. It's power for her, you yeah.
1: know? And she can use, you know, as you get older also, So once you kind of pass 35, you do see a lot of changes in your skin. And even though you think, oh, this will never happen to me, it happens. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, up until recently and and Beauty Pie, you couldn't get a really great triple vitamin C serum or, you know, a stable vitamin C product for a decent price or, you know, retinol microencapsulated was formulated it's going to be $150 and so being able to being able to bring all those things to people so that they can test a lot of different things see what works for them use it on their face and neck Mm -hmm. you can use it on your neck it's not going to bankrupt you and then buy what really works every month and afford to buy a couple of other things to test What a beautiful thing! You know, why should only people with a lot of money be able to try
0: and find the best thing for their skin? It's not fair. Right. So you're in a position where um, a lot of the industry is probably looking at you with envy because this idea is genius, and then a lot are probably looking at you like you know with a grimace, right? Because you're really undoing. Um, what they've worked so hard to maintain, yes. you know. And with our industry changing so much, I feel like brands already are feeling like they're trying to suffocate whatever they can because they're so terrified. It's so hard. It's yes. so hard to move sure. through this business. Right, sure. it used to be pretty easy. You follow a handbook, right? Now it's sort of like you it's know the wild west. It's splintered all over the place. Right. Yeah. So, um, what is it like to be at these industry events? You're one, at one last night. You're going to be at one yeah. um, on Monday. Yeah when you're walking through the room and you know this, you know, that you're doing something so revolutionary that some people are, like, in awe of it and some people are, like, really challenged and devastated by it. Sure. Well, I don't think anyone's devastated
1: yet um, because we're just starting, and so we're small, and while we're making a dent, we're not, you know, we're not Netflix yet, but we will will be. I really think that Beauty Pie is the future beauty industry. It's Lab direct yeah. like Alibaba, mm-hmm. right you can get things direct from these labs now we curate them and there is a lot that goes into product development even just we got to order this jar and this cap and get it here and it goes in this box and it has to fit like so there are all of these elements that you put together labs are not um, they're not just you know putting it all together for you and then shipping it to you so there is a lot of kind of go-between right. but And I'm going off on a tangent, but you can amortize that go-between over so many more products. Mm -hmm. So it's a good example. We had a lip oil that we ordered, and we didn't know if our customers would really, and you're going to have to bring me back to the question later.
0: (laughs) But
1: we didn't know if people would really buy this lip oil. So we only ordered 1,000 pieces from this lab. And we looked at other lip oils on the market that were, you know, not necessarily similar because ours was actually better. And they were about $28 each. And our first lip oil sold for $6. That was the factory cost because we only made 1,000. But it was so popular, it sold out in about two weeks. So we reordered. We reordered Mm 5000 The price came down to $3. So not only does making more of it... Make the price even lower for all of the people who are members, but it amortizes that initial work
0: across many more units. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what's so sweet about that, in many ways, is um, the, it's the community doing a favor for itself, right? Yeah. Like the more everybody wins, that love, right? Right. Everybody and wins, and they get to share that story. Yeah. Right? They like, why that wouldn't story. you tell your friends? Yeah.
1: Right. So that I think is is incredible for us. Now back to the industry question. I've always been kept on my toes and done a better job when I had competition. So, should we care about the industry or should we care about the customer? At first, when I came up with this idea, I thought, I can't do that. Everyone's gonna hate me. And then I thought, wait, I have to do this because there are so many more people who will love it than who will hate it. And putting all that money that people are paying for something that isn't relevant anymore, right? Brands used to be really relevant. And you used to identify with a brand, right? You'd say, well, I'm a such and such girl, or I'm a so and so shopper, and it made you feel like a certain person. The brand that's relevant today is your own brand. Everybody has an Instagram page. How you portray yourself there is more important to you than any brand you buy from. Right? Yes. So why pay that much more money to buy something that has a brand stuck on it? It's just so obvious that women don't need that anymore and therefore why should they be paying for it? And so I had to do it because I didn't want to go to my deathbed in, you know, 60 years thinking, what if I would have tried that? you also see that there are a lot of people doing similar things in other industries. Mm-hmm. And that's often where points of light come that develop your picture. So someone like Everlane is doing sort of like what we mm-hmm. do in you know, clothing. Right. Um, if you think about Warby Parker, which everybody talks about, right. they've done it in glasses, right? And it's better for customers. Right. More
0: people can afford great stuff. What's wrong with that? I love it. So our last question is um, not related to work. Okay. I imagine your brain is always thinking about work, but um, how do you spend your time when you're not working? Oh, yes, well, I work a lot. I read a lot
1: of books. Um, I have kids. got two little boys. They're not that little anymore. They're almost both taller than me now, 11 and 13. It. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and we ski a lot, and I try and get a little bit of yoga in, um, and I yeah I guess you know I don't have that many hobbies hobbies for me I'm so enthused I guess by beauty pie and talking to customers and seeing how they feel about it it's really fun for me so you know what they say about marriage the first one's for love the second one's for money the third one's for company have you ever heard no, that? Uh-uh. Well, I think there might be something true about that in business. So the first one's for love because you loved what you did and you just leapt into it. So you. bliss, you know, yeah. for me, I just loved it. It was like a social club in there. The second one for money was me with Soap, or soap and Glory Sorry. Mm-hmm. thinking, okay, how do I take what I know and try and kind of mass it out and, you know, use this entertainment factor to do something and, and you know, make it bigger and broader. And the third one, okay, it is an incredible idea, but I want to stay in there and be able to have that interface with the customer. And for me,
0: that's actually fun. So I guess it's a bit of a hobby. That's so interesting. I'm going to think about that. That's actually really meaningful for me. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. What a pleasure. Yeah. So thank you so much, Marcia, for sharing your wisdom with us today. That's It's been great. And I had no idea we would go off, go off on so I many know, tangents. Right? Yep, yeah, but it worked. That's what happens in this room. Just yeah, go. I suppose. There's some good juju. <laughs> and for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Meet Beauty you.